0: Welcome to vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Steve. Uh, I'm the lead pastor, I'm not, I'm not really into the senior senior bit, but um, I'm, the, I'm the senior pastor here and a huge, huge welcome. And a big, big, uh, why don't we just turn around, look at those cameras and just give a massive welcome to Westside and to Battersea. How you doing guys? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, how's the week been with the heat? Um, air conditioning units have just gone up in value, haven't they? So if you've been storing any air condition, conditioning units or fans, now's the time to sell. Um, we <laughs> last week, Viv, uh, Viv spoke. Didn't she? If you haven't, if you haven't seen Viv's talk or watched Viv's talk, listen to it. Uh, please, please do. It's one of, one of my favorite, favorite uh, ever talks. Um, last week Viv spoke brilliantly, didn't she, about how we can resist the evil one personally and how we can stand firm, uh, but also how we can humble ourselves as we, as we stand firm, as we, we resist the devil. Um, we had, uh, I was gonna say we had a letter sent to us, but we didn't. We had uh, an email or a WhatsApp message uh, sent to us from someone, um, uh, from, this is from Julie, part of our Battersea clan, uh, sorry, our, our Brighton clan, And uh, she she emailed us today saying, Dear Viv, I wanted to send you an email to tell you about a breakthrough I had last week, which also relates to your sermon last Sunday. A couple of weeks back, I had a dream which I thought might be prophetic in some way. I was sure the dream was for someone, but during my morning quiet time on Wednesday, God clearly showed me that this was for me. The dream was of a full-sized tiger inside a very large caged area of land. There were voices behind me saying that this was a cage for prayer and that the tiger wouldn't harm me. Um, as much as the voices keep, kept telling me that the tiger wouldn't harm me, I sensed nothing but fear. And although, although it was a cage of prayer, I couldn't actually pray. I couldn't rest on the bed either uh, through fear that as soon as I relaxed, the tiger might eat me. It kept pouring at me and voices kept saying that the tiger was simply playing with me. During my prayer time with God this morning, uh, that morning, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that although my heart has been healed of many crushing experiences from the past, I was still totally frozen with fear and needed to be set free. I looked behind myself in the image in the dream and I realized that the cage door was actually open and that it was only fear and listening to the lying voices that had kept me inside the cage. I saw myself walk out of the cage, and then I experienced this weight lifting from my spirit. Uh, Viv, I smiled all the way through your sermon on Sunday, as it confirmed to me all that I experienced just three days before. I'm 66, and this fear has been with me since I was a young child, and it was compounded by further crushing life experiences, too numerous to list. In this email, it was an email, not a letter, I want to share with you that I'm now totally set free from fear and intimidation in a way I never thought possible. I hope this was inc- an encouragement to you, uh, the w- following the word you faithfully spoke on Sunday. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? It's amazing. So, Julie, if you're, if you're watching from Brighton, uh, keep walking out of that cage. Uh, my hope is that today I want to just pick up where Viv left off last week and move us where Viv talked about how we can resist the devil personally and I want to talk about uh, the evil that's all around us and I, I just want to talk about one, one aspect of evil and how we follow Jesus out of cynicism. I, I want to propose that uh, cynicism is an increasingly dominant spirit in this age. Uh, Personally, it's been my, honestly, it's been my struggle in prayer that if I get an answer to prayer, sometimes I think, would it have happened anyway? Would did my prayers actually work? Other times I pray, but I wonder, are they going anywhere apart from just hitting, hitting the ceiling? Do, Do my prayers make any difference? And... And many of us, many, many of us, whether we believe in Jesus, whether we don't believe in Jesus, we stand at the edge of cynicism, looking over, don't we? We stand on the edge and uh, struggling sometimes with defeated weariness. Just life is a bit weary. Our spirits have begun to deaden. Uh, and I think we built up scar tissue uh, from our frustrations, from our unanswered prayers. And, and the, 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 kind of the, the, the fruit of cynicism is that we just don't want to expose our real self anymore. We don't want to trust again. We don't want to hope again. And it's the fear, like Julie was saying in her dream, it's the fear that constrains us. Let me say this. Uh, cynicism and defeated weariness have this thing in common. They both question the goodness of God. And they question it on our behalf. And so left unchallenged, this low level doubt, this defeated weariness, opens the door for bigger doubts. Uh, I said earlier that I I just want to propose that cynicism is the spirit of our age. I imagine if you spend a week in London, you're here on holiday, if you spend a week in London, you could feel it in the atmosphere, Uh, its tone, Uh, It permeates much of our culture. And it's one of the master temptations of our age. As followers of Jesus, it's one of the temptations that we're to be aware of. Not just personally, but the evil that's around us. And so, um, I've had a great week reflecting on cynicism. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Over the last 18 months, uh, my go-to scriptures uh, are... Matthew 6, it's the Lord's Prayer, and Matthew 23. Uh, In the Lord's Prayer, as I've just been reflecting these last 18 months, as I've just been reflecting, the the end of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, when you pray, you pray, lead us not, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And my hope, uh, our hope, Viv and I, our hope, my hope, is that there'll be some someone here today, he'll just walk out of the cage. Someone will get free today, that's my hope. Uh, July is known as um, a jubilee month and it's known as a, as a place of freedom. So my hope is as we, as we come to the end of July, there'll be someone here who's, who gets free. Um, let's go back to cynicism, if we can. <laughs> I think it's so pervasive that at times it feels like a presence. It feels like something that we have to enter. Behind the spirit of this age lies this unseen, personal evil, this presence, this evil presence, this spirit. The Bible calls him Satan, the devil. And if the devil can't stop you from praying, he'll try to rob you from the fruit of your prayers by dulling your soul. This is my experience. I'm hoping that I get an amen. And a, I'm hoping that i get a yes, brother. Yes, lead pastor. Not, not senior pastor. <laughs> you see, Satan cannot create, but he can corrupt. He can't create things, but he can create, corrupt and he can influence culture. Um, in the beginning of the Bible, we have uh, this book of Genesis. And uh, in the first story, narrative, if you like... We have the picture of the Garden of Eden. Satan's first words recorded are cynical. He tells Adam and Eve, he he tells them in Genesis 3, God knows of what you will eat. God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. Satan is suggesting that God's motives are cynical. Satan sees evil everywhere, even in, in God. He tells them, God has not been honest with you. He's not being honest about the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And he's not being honest when God says, Don't eat of the fruit. Satan's saying, God wants to protect himself. He doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want any other rivals. And Satan seductively gives Adam and Eve this almost like cynicism is like the inside track. What's really going on? What's really going on behind the closed doors? Um, and I, I want to propose so cynicism is actually an easy sell because what cynicism sees is what's really going on. One of the one of the last bastions, one of the last values, one of the last public remaining virtues is authenticity, and cynicism feels authentic. It gives it gives this. It, it, Cynicism, it has this kind of elite status in our culture. And so gossiping's easy. Negativity's easy to see a picture, but oh no, it's not like that really. And, f- and for us as followers of Jesus, or, or for some of us who've never, never thought about following Jesus, these, uh, these dulled partial truths feel more real to us than the truths of the scripture and that the truths are the heart of God and so it's easy for me to feel skeptic, skepticism. It's easier for me to feel that than it is to have great deep passions for God, for his word, for the truths. And so cynicism, it takes root and it feels more real than truth. And I know, I know I'm not alone in my struggle. And as, as your pastor I wanna just say most of us aren't aware that this is a problem. Most of us aren't aware of the spirit of the age. Most of us aren't aware that this is going on. But we've become influenced by something that we're not aware of. And so I wanna say today, become aware of it. It's a problem and when it takes hold in your heart, it feels like we just can't find joy anymore in things. It feels like I'm just too tired to trust again. I've been too battered by pain to hope again. And so cynicism begins with this assumption that everyone has an angle. Behind every silver cloud, uh, sorry, behind every silver lining, there's a cloud. i I look at life, a cup half empty. The cynic is always observing, right? It's always critiquing, never engaged, never loving, never hoping, always on the sidelines, never in the battle, always shouting from the stands, but never playing on the, on the field. I was thinking about some of the stories, some of the Bible stories that if they happened today, what today's media would, how they would present itself. I've got a couple. David and Goliath great story of the bible great it's a kind of fantastic kid story but also for us here's what today's media might might describe it as hate crime kills beloved champion psychologist questions influence of the rock on raising lazarus from the dead here's what today's media might say fundamentalist preacher raises a stink it's the will reading will be delayed. When Jesus healed the 10 lepers, here's what a media might, uh, front page headline. Local doctors practice ruined. Faith healer cause, causes bankruptcy. Okay, birth of Christ. One of the most powerful stories in the scripture. Here's, here's the headline. Hotels full. Animals left homeless. (laughs) Animal rights activist enraged by insensitive couple. (laughs) Cynicism. We can see it in our media. Always on the sideline, never in the battle. Always shouting from the stands, never playing on the field. Um, I took my boy, Sam, to his first West Ham match when he was about seven. And uh, it was fantastic. We took a picture, got my scarf. Stood, uh, stood on the stands at Upton Park. And um, halfway through the first half, I heard Sam going 15. like Every half a minute, 16, 21. And it, it wasn't the minutes. And then I, I just turned to Sam, and I said, well, what are you counting? And he looked at me with kind of a glint in his eyes. And he said, Daddy, I'm counting the swear words. <laughs> <laughs> And so, throughout the game... <laughs> throughout the game, throughout the game, he counted over a hundred swear words, which is probably not hard for a West Ham, West Ham fanic. But the, the cynical is always on the sidelines, always commenting, always distant. And so, cynicism, while it offers this false intimacy of being in the know, but actually it destroys intimacy. And the fruit, one of the fruits of uh, cynicism is this creeping bitterness that can deaden even the most, uh, even the most passionate uh, follower of Jesus, it can destroy our spirits. As we kind of lean into, okay, how does Jesus help us? I wanna just say a praying life is just the opposite. It engages with evil. It takes no for an answer. Uh, In the scriptures, middle of the the Bible, we have this book of the Psalms, and uh, the psalmists are always in God's face. They're always hoping. They're always dreaming. They're always asking. Their prayers are feisty, whereas cynicism, on the other hand, it just merely critiques. It's passive, cocooning itself from uh, from, the passion, from the great passions of, the, of this cosmic battle that we're in. It's without hope. And I, I just want to offer a few cures to cynicism and how we follow Jesus. Um, I started with six. Um, as I practice my talk, that's come down to three. As I look at the clock, that might just be one or two. So uh, we'll see how we get on. Um, number one. Uh, learning to hope again, because Jesus is all about hope. As I've as I've studied the uh, the scriptures where Jesus healed people, there are things that I've noticed about Jesus that He's not just this vending machine of healing, that you place your your money in and out comes out comes healing. You place your prayers in and out comes the answers. What I've noticed that often that before Jesus heals people, he helps people. Before he heals them physically, he helps them spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Uh, Here's one in John John 9. Before he he heals a blind man, he tells the disciples, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in this man. Uh, Before he raises Nain's son, uh, the widow of Nain's son, uh, he tells her, this is fantastic, he declares, weep not. In, in Jewish culture, in funerals, they would have this lament which says, weep, all they are bitter of heart. Jesus is reversing that lament by saying, weep not. He's bringing hope where there's, uh, where there's lament. Before he healed the crippled woman in Luke 13, he tells her, woman, you are freed from your disability. In each of these accounts, Jesus brings hope before he heals. He's not this healing machine. He touches people's hearts. Healing their souls often before healing their bodies. And hope begins with the heart of God. It begins in the very heart of God. Even before creation, what God wanted to release was his goodness and releasing glistening hope for a mankind. And as you and I grasp the Father's heart, how he loves to give, I wanna propose then prayer will begin to feel a bit more natural as we lean into Jesus, learning to hope again. Um, I remember one time we ran healing on the streets and uh, it's a simple, fantastic way of inviting people on the high street uh, to come and get prayer. We pray for anyone, for anything uh, we invite them to grab, uh, grab, a, grab a chair, sit down, and um, and we have a team of people who just pray for them. Uh, we we've seen hundreds and hundreds of people healed, finding Jesus. We've given away tissues after tissues as people are listened to, and uh, have just that emotional moment. One time, a man was looking at one of our chairs. And I imagine this chair on the high street. And he was looking at our chairs, and he was kind of walking around it, looking at each side, kind of, how solid is this? What's going on? And I, I kind of went up to him and I said, hi, it's a bit weird. And uh, he said to me, how much do you want for this chair? And uh, because I've seen, we've seen lots and lots of miracles there, I kind of get a bit bold with people and I said, oh no, uh, these chairs are priceless. And he and I knew that th- they were cheap chairs from B&Q and so he kind of looked up nonchalantly at me and said, what What do you mean? And I said, these are miracle chairs. If you sit on this chair, Jesus will heal you. And um, if Sam was there, my boy, he probably would have counted a few more swear words as the man left, <laughs> a bit grumpy, they didn't get a good deal, on a chair. Um, later that day, or the, or the next week, a, a woman came, same place, and uh, it took her three buses to get to us. And she said, this is, I, I heard this is the place where I can get healed. It's taken me an hour and a half to get from East London. Uh, Here, is this the place where Jesus can heal me? And I said, Yeah, grab a seat. As you sit down, Jesus would heal can heal you. I didn't need a lot of faith. She came with a lot of faith, and that five minutes God healed 30 years of sciatica. 30 years of back pain in, in that moment. Just a beautiful moment. How's your chair? You're, maybe you're sitting on a miracle chair uh, today. Okay, so hope, learning to hope again. Number two, um, over the last 18 months, as I've been, as I've been just l- almost parking myself in the Lord's Prayer and in Psalm 23, I, I just want to say, uh, n- number two, following Jesus out of cynicism, for us to learn how to know the Good Shepherd. Last year, as many of you know, uh, I went through a time when my physical uh, and mental health became really, really difficult. I was really, genuinely unable to pray, unable to read. Uh, I couldn't concentrate. I could, my, the pages, the words on the pages were blurry. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't concentrate. Walking and worship became zero because of my health. So I stopped trying to have a coherent prayer time. Um, I, I stopped having a kind of a time of prayer. I did nothing this time last year but listen and then read Psalm 23 and the Lord's Prayer. I thought I could do, I could do that. Uh, and recently, especially on, on those hard days, I've begun, I begun and began not, noticing him everywhere. Um, as I looked at the the psalm where it says that God uh, sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies pursuing me with his love you see both both the child and the cynic walk through the shadow of death but the cynic focuses on the darkness whereas the child focuses on the shepherd and I know what that's like to, as the cynic focusing on what's, what's happening to me. You see, the shepherd's presence in the dark valley can be so immediately, so immediate, so powerful, that cynicism just simply vanishes. There's no room for ironic disengagement when you're fighting for your life. As you cling to the shepherd, I want to say the fog of cynicism can lift because the, sh- the cynic misses the presence of the shepherd. Uh, and I want to propose our world is like, m- many of us have read or watched Lord of the Rings and uh, uh, Saruman in the Lord, the Lord of the Rings. Our world is like Saruman looking too long in the, in the Dark Lord's crystal ball. It's att- Saruman attempted to unmask evil Uh, But what he does is he unwittingly enlarges the evil. Uh, And this is what our world is like, I want to propose. We're going back to self-worship. We're going back to multiple gods, multiple idols. Silent evil seemingly has the loudest voice in our world. And the last word. See, our modern secular world has removed the shepherd. From Psalm 23. Look at this next slide. What happens when we remove the shepherd from Psalm 23? When we remove him and everything he does. Forgive me for the small uh, small typeface. It becomes my, me, me, my soul. I walk through the darkest valley. In the presence of my enemies. My, my cup. All the days of my life. And that's what's happened in this world. That's the spirit that we're surrounded by. The good shepherds nowhere to be seen. And the temptation is that we embrace it ourselves. Uh, we're left almost obsessing over our wants and needs in the shadow of death, paralyzed by fear in the presence of our enemy. No wonder so many of us are cynical. With the good shepherd gone, we're all alone in a world of evil. In contrast, number one, a hope-filled spirit interprets life through the lens of Psalm 23. It interprets the full Psalm, and this is played out in Jesus. When Jesus uh, uh, fed the 5,000, listen to what he does. As he watched the crowds, and he said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. He fed them spiritually and physically. He taught them many things. Then he had them sit down on the green grass. And he fed, fed them so much that there, there was too much. It overflowed. So let's find the shepherd. Let's find the shepherd and what he does. Last one, number three. You can see why I didn't do six. Number, number three, cultivate. So. We need to lean into hope. We need to bring the good shepherd where he belongs. And we need to cultivate repentance. Uh, too many Christians, we think repentance refers to an altar call where, where people come forward and they, they weep at the altar um, and get right with God. I mean, that's a legitimate expression of repentance. Please do that. Um, But one of the translations of the word repentance means we get the word re, like rewind, reset. It Re means to go back. And pent is just like the penthouse, the top floor of the building. Repent means to go back to God's perspective on reality, what's really true from God's perspective. Not the cynical perspective. Not the evil one's perspective, not even our own feelings of our perspective, but on the truth, on God's perspective, on what's going on. And I want to propose that's where renewal and reformation and revival can happen. Because it affects our intellect, it affects our emotions, it affects every part of our lives as we cultivate repentance. Um, Jesus urged us to do an about turn, face back towards him because his kingdom is at hand. It's really here. He brought his world, his kingdom, with him when he was on earth. And it's within our reach as we go about our day. He wants you to see the reality from God's perspective and to learn to live with his world towards the visible world. Did you get that? He wants you to learn how to see from God's perspective into your your world. And I say this with all humility. If we don't change the way we think, we'll never be able to apprehend the kingdom's power that's available. Henry Nouwen, the great theologian, philosopher, uh, spiritual guru, he, uh, he says this, he said this, this quote, let go of your complaints, forgive those who loved you poorly, step over your feelings of being rejected, and have the courage to trust that you won't fall into the abyss, remember we're on the, we won't fall into the abyss of nothingness, but into the safe embrace of God's love, who will heal all your wounds. And so the renewed mind, the repentant mind, is leaning away from cynicism and into hope. We're bringing the good shepherd back into our lives. And we're sustaining our lives with repentance. The Lord's prayer says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Church, I want to say this, land with this. God is looking for a people who he can use to bring about his intended purposes for individuals, our communities, our cities, uh, for London and beyond. And this kind of transformation doesn't happen by us being on the outside. It doesn't happen from us being on the stands. It doesn't happen by us... Being on the stands, watching others on the pitch. It happens for us being on the pitch together. Not from the sidelines, commentating. Let's bring the, the Lord's Prayer up again. And uh, Just close your eyes. And what I'd love you to do is as you hear the words uh, ripple over you, there might be, as you hear the words of um, Psalm 23... There might be certain things that you want to bring back into your life. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to invite the um, worship bands to come up. I said earlier that you may be sitting, sitting on a miracle chair. If, if you need a miracle, whether it's a physical miracle emotional, spiritual, with your mental health. Would you do me the honor of just standing up, where you are, if you need a miracle right now, at Battersea, at Westside and and here, if you need a miracle, why, why don't you stand up? So Jesus come we pray for these dear ones here at Bannon those at Westside those at Battersea even those online I release you God as a miracle working God say come Holy Spirit just as we worship allow the Spirit of Jesus the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead to come and meet and minister to you presence of the shepherd is here, I just want to encourage you to receive all the the shepherd offers, his guidance, his comfort, his leading, his nourishment, his healing. So come, Holy Spirit. His provision, I just release provision over many of us here. the Lord had not been on our side, would we be here today, and if the Lord had not breathed his life on us, would we be moving in this way? For we have the same spirit that Jesus had. We walk the same ground that Jesus walked. The same spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and I. So be free as a bird out of a cage. Be free today, just as that bird out of a cage. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.